Welcome to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Hosted by Beth Bershock with expert advice from Jim Lang, Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney and retirement and estate planning expert. Jim is also the author of Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. To find out more about his book, his practice, Lang Financial Group, and how to secure Jim as a speaker for your next event, visit his website at retiresecure.com. Now, get ready to talk smart money. We are talking smart money, and thank you so much for joining us this evening. I'm Beth Bershock, along with Jim Lang, CPA attorney, best-selling author of two editions of the book, Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. That's available from Wiley. And we have another IRA expert with us tonight, Barry Picker, who is a certified public accountant. He also happens to have the personal financial specialist designation from the AICPA, certified financial planner. And I should point out that CPA Magazine, in their April-May edition of this year, named Barry as one of the top 40 tax advocates to know during a recession. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, Barry. Thank you. And Jim wanted to add something to your long list of accomplishments. Well, since this show was mainly going to concentrate on Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions, I wanted who I considered, you know, literally one of the top, if not the top Roth IRA experts in the country. And for the last more than 10 years, I have been reading Barry and Barry's article at probably the the uh, the most famous Roth IRA site, which is RothIRA.com. And Barry just cranks out article after article, and they're all excellent, and they have such good content. And I've just been reading him and admiring his work for years. And I was very happy when he agreed to be on our show today. So I think we're really in for a treat. You're, you're going to be hearing from advice from people who were in the Roth IRA game very early and also has some quantitative skills to add to the conceptual skills. Well, Barry and Jim, I think we should start from the beginning because we're going to be talking about Roth IRAs, Roth IRA conversions, and there is a big tax law change coming up in 2010. So this is August. We're fast approaching that, and we're getting ready for Roth IRA conversions in 2010. Let's start with, first of all, what is a Roth IRA? This term has been around for years, but I, I know that it's been off of the radar for some people. So, Barry, can you please explain the difference first between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? Well, the main difference is that with a Roth IRA, if one takes a qualified distribution, it is free of income tax. And that is really the main difference. Now, with a traditional IRA, for many people, they can deduct the contribution that goes in initially to the traditional IRA, whereas with a Roth IRA, there never is an income tax deduction. And Jim, do you want to add anything to that as uh, differences between the traditional and the Roth? I, I think Barry has it the, with the traditional IRA, and I'll even expand it with a traditional 401k, 403b all these types of retirement plans, you get an income tax deduction going in. The money grows income tax deferred, but then when you take the money out, you have to pay tax. With a Roth IRA, you don't get an income tax deduction going in, but when you eventually make withdrawals or even your heirs make withdrawals, um, the withdrawals are income tax-free, including the growth. So with a Roth IRA, what you're in effect doing is you're paying the tax up front 
and you're reaping the harvest tax-free. And with a traditional IRA, you get a deduction up front, but you have to pay tax on the harvest. Now, we should explain that up until this point, there has been an income limitation for Roth IRAs. And what is that amount? Do you, uh, uh, do, do you want to handle that, Jim? Okay. All right. Well, um, the the income limitation is, I believe, $166,000 for married um, taxpayers. But I think what, what you're referring to and the big change in 2010 that, that we're going to probably be concentrating on even more during this show is that in order to make a Roth IRA conversion where you are taking your existing IRA or your existing retirement plan, paying income taxes on it up front, and then converting it to a Roth IRA, the, the big change in 2010 and why income is so important is up to now, if you had modified adjusted gross income of $100,000 or more, you were not allowed to make a Roth IRA conversion. Starting in the year 2010, that income limitation is going to go away. So all of a sudden, all of these people who have for years been um, it, with income of greater than $100,000 who were never able to get into the Roth IRA conversion world are now eligible for the Roth IRA conversion world. And I actually think there's going to be a tax-free revolution <laughs> where we can start making some tax-free dynasties. <laughs> that that I, is I, what Jim always calls it, too, Barry. He calls it tax-free dynasties. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you, if, you, if you share some of my excitement about 2010 coming, Barry. So maybe I'll, I'll let you give you your opinion on uh, what's coming in 2010. I know you have a, a good article on your website about that. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, for the reasons you mentioned, and basically that the Roth IRAs have really not been available, uh, I would say, to the people who could use it most. And that's going to change next year. And um, yeah, as a result, as, as you said, people whose income was over $100,000 who could not move their IRA money into a Roth will now be able to do so. And that also includes... People who, for whatever reason, were, were married but filing separate returns that were under the law, no matter what their income was, were precluded from doing a Roth IRA conversion. And that limitation also goes away. So there, is, there, there will not be anybody who will not be able to do a Roth IRA conversion starting in 2010. So getting ready for 2010, have you been seeing in your practice, Barry, a lot of people coming to you getting ready, making plans to do a conversion in 2010 now? Well, what we have been advocating since this law came out, the provision has actually been in the code for a number of years saying that starting in 2010. And so we were suggesting to people that they fund their traditional IRA, in many cases with non-deductible contributions so that they would have that pool of money available starting in 2010 in order to move it into the Roth IRA. Now, for these people, the plan was, and, and obviously the, you know, sometimes the plan and the reality don't always match, the plan was that by making non-deductible IRA contributions, when they would do the Roth conversion in 2010, they would only be taxed on the growth from the contributions. Um, 
with the economy being what it is, many of those people will not have growth, but they will still be able to move the money into the Roth IRA. And so for some of your clients, you've been planning this for years. That's correct. Same thing with you, Jim, because Jim has actually been at the forefront of this Roth IRA since, well, for over a decade, actually. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm also a fan of the non-deductible IRA. You don't see a lot of people um, advocating that. And I think one of the reasons why Barry and I both like it is because partly of our, our background. We are not from a, a sales or a financial um, financial product background. We're actually CPAs who actually run numbers and, and quantify these things. And that's, frankly, the, the type of guest that I wanted to talk about Roth IRAs. And I, I like the idea of, of doing a non-deductible IRA. But I guess in the big scheme of things, the people that have IRAs or, or even deductible or non-deductible IRAs from what used to be the $2,000 contribution, now five or $6,000 contribution, in my mind, yeah, that's very nice. But I'm very interested in the big money. I'm interested in the people who have 100000 200000 a million, even more than a million dollars in their IRA and their 401k, because I think that, that for people who have substantial IRAs, that that's really going to just be a huge paradigm shift. And I think so many advisors, um, again, particularly um, people who are not as well-versed in the tax code and don't really understand the numbers behind it, are not really talking about the power that the Roth IRA conversion is going to have for wealthy people, particularly people who have big IRAs and have the money to pay the tax on the Roth IRA conversion from outside the IRA. Now, you just said pay the tax outside of the IRA, which is a big deal when we're talking about Roth IRA conversions. Because if you, Barry, what would you say if somebody said, you know, uh, Barry, I'm interested in doing this Roth IRA conversion when we get to 2010, but I don't have the money to pay the taxes. I'm going to take it out of one of my retirement plans. What would you advise? Well, I've seen different scenarios and, and run numbers for that situation. And obviously every situation is different, but it still might pay for people. If they're, let's say, in their early 60s so that they don't have to deal with what could be an additional tax penalty, do not plan on using the money in retirement so that they get the, the extra benefit of the compounding because Roth IRAs don't have required minimum distributions at 70 and a half. And in, in some of these situations, it works out that even if they have to tap into the retirement money to pay the tax, in the long run, it still comes out better. It, it w would you consider their age when you're talking about that? Is that a key factor? Age is a key factor, yes. And, and, and I love what, what Barry just said, because he said that, that he ran the numbers. And this, this, this is so important in this Roth IRA world to actually run the numbers to determine what makes sense. And Barry's absolutely right. It's going to depend on circumstances. See, the old rule of thumb is if you don't have the money to pay the tax on the conversion from outside the IRA, don't do it. But when Barry has run numbers in certain circumstances, the one he mentioned in people in their 60s, um, one of the advantages is that you're not going to have a minimum required distribution. Um, another advantage is that 
you are getting money out of your estate. So one of the old strategies was to make a Roth IRA, con I'm sorry, was to make a IRA withdrawal before you died to reduce your estate. That's another benefit of doing a Roth IRA conversion, even if you don't have the money to pay the tax. And the other thing that is maybe on people's minds in the background is um, will taxes go up in the future? And if you are paying income taxes at today's rates to save taxes at tomorrow's rates, that would be another time when it would be useful. On the other hand, as I like the running numbers approach and I like Barry's answer. In general, it's much better to make a Roth IRA conversion and pay the taxes for money outside of the IRA. And in all the numbers, and I suspect Barry's run the same numbers, and maybe I'll ask you about that, Barry, um, that I've run indicate that the people that get the biggest bang for their buck are the people who have money from outside the IRA. Oh, there's no question, Jim, because when you can pay the tax for money that's outside the IRA, that's the equivalent, in my way of thinking, of making an additional contribution into the IRA. And the reason why I say that is because for somebody who has, let's say, a million dollars in a traditional IRA, if you figure that person is in the 40% income tax bracket, that's really the equivalent of $600,000 in after-tax money. If you can convert that to a Roth IRA and pay the $400,000 tax from other money, it's as if you put that $400,000 into the IRA because now you have a million-dollar account that's worth a million dollars after taxes. I've never heard it put that way, but I love that, Barry. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I don't know if listeners really understand the power of what you've just said, and I've, I've never articulated it that way, but I love that. And, and making an extra multi-hundred-thousand-dollar IRA contribution is just a fabulous thing. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with something, Jim, you just said a minute ago, which was if you think tax rates are going up, and you can do the conversion at these tax rates. And I think if we got listeners, everyone listening tonight, to raise your hand if you think tax rates are going to go up, I think most hands are going to fly up. So you can get in on your current tax rate and take a gamble that the rates are going to go up and it would be even more beneficial to you. It's something I wanted to point out real quick, though, because we're talking about 2010. And that is, I, we get a lot of questions at the office, which is, is 2010... This is opening up for all taxpayers, regardless of income, in 2010 Roth IRA conversions. Is it only 2010? And the answer is no. Right now, it's 2010 on. Now, do, you, do either one of you think that could ever change? Well, we're talking about tax law. <laughs> and, you know, the, the one thing that's constant in tax law is change. And true. And so, yes, it, it, it can change. Uh, I'm... To be honest, kind of surprised that they didn't change it ahead of time because of the way that this was set up and the reason why it was set up, which we don't need to get into. Uh, so I'm, I'm very happy that we're now in the second half of 2009 and there's no movement in Congress to change this before it goes into effect. So it, it's clear to me that it will go into effect, but I was not always sure of that. And, and, and that is such a... Um, really 
huge paradigm shift, particularly for for wealthy taxpayers who are whose income is more than a hundred thousand dollars, that they're literally going to be able to create a tax-free dynasty with Roth IRA conversions and in getting money to grow income tax-free for the rest of their lives, their spouses' lives. Um, if they then leave money to their children, to their for their children's lives, and possibly even grandchildren's lives. You know, when we talk about that, Jim, when you say they can create a tax-free dynasty, part of it is because there is no minimum required distribution with the Roth. Right. And and there there's no minimum required distribution, which is terrific for the taxpayer. In fact, you know, unlike a lot of long-term estate planning ideas, so, um, for example, one response to if you think that the tax rates are going up, and I think Ed Slott is a great great advocate of this response, and I, I think that he's he's absolutely right, is he says that you should buy some life insurance, and that way you'll create a pool of income tax-free money, and maybe your the beneficiary can be your spouse or your kids or your grandkids, or I actually prefer second to die in many situations. But the Roth IRA conversion, while it is fabulous for your children and grandchildren, it's also good for you. And I've run some numbers that that, that indicate that using pretty reasonable assumptions that it, if you yourself make a Roth IRA conversion of, say, $100,000, that you, not your heirs and not your kids and your grandkids, but you will be between forty dollars and $50,000 better off just 20 years after you make the conversion. And your your children can literally be eight or $900,000 or more better off, and your grandchildren would be better off in the millions and millions, even taking in con- into consideration the money that you have given up. And, um, Barry, I, I don't know if you have, well, I, I actually know you have because I've, I've read some of your works, but maybe you could um, expand on some of the number running that you've done to to quantify some of the be- the benefits of Roth IRA conversions and if that's something that you're looking for for your wealthier clients. Well, it, we've up to now we've been talking actually about people who are let's call it slightly older, but even for younger people, people in their 40s, who will be using this money in retirement for themselves, it's a tremendous advantage to do the the Roth conversion. And basically it just has to do with the fact that even if they're going to be using the money, they don't have the minimum distributions on the traditional IRA. And so they get to leave more money in the account for themselves as they go through retirement. And it just seems to, you know, work out much better for them. And, and in some cases, it just gives them more spendable money because they don't have to worry about a tax liability on the money that they do take out. Barry, did you get the same basic numbers when you ran them, that Jim, the ones that Jim just went through? Well, to, to, to be to be fair, I'd have to state a whole bunch oh, of assumptions. You'd have to, oh, you'd have to go through all of the assumptions. Yeah, okay. that, that, would, that would just bore people to tears. <laughs> <They> would... <laughs> we don't. Well, yeah, let's not go there. But, but I, I do I have would, a... I would like to mention something, because I think Jim mentioned this earlier about you know t- tax deferral and, and income tax rates going up. We had run numbers over the years, um, and and it came out that if somebody, let's say, would make a traditional IRA contribution and then would be in a higher tax bracket when they took the money out, the power of tax deferral is so great that the taxpayer would still be much better off 
even if they were pulling money out at a higher tax rate than the benefit when they put it in. And when you realize that and the power of tax deferral, and now we're talking about not tax deferral but tax-free and how much more powerful that is, then you, you see the benefit of, of doing the Roth IRA even even if you're not getting, you know, an annual contribution to tax deduction, which I will say, unfortunately, has been a sticking point for many people over the years, over the, the last 10, 11 years that we've had Roth IRAs, and people who have not taken advantage of it who could have because they were just so locked into the thought of a tax deduction. Actually, we're going to get into some of those, those what we would call maybe the downsides or some of the controversies about Roth IRAs in just a minute. We are going to take a quick break. It is the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQV AM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. We are talking smart money tonight, and it's about Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions. I'm Beth Bershock, and Jim Lang, who CPA attorney and author of Retire Secure. Jim, seriously, you have been at the forefront of Roth IRAs since 1998. I want to point out, this is really impressive. You wrote the first major peer-reviewed article about Roth IRAs in 1998. It was for the tax advisor. And peer-reviewed by CPAs, those guys are pretty picky. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know. So he wrote the first peer-reviewed article. He has been talking about Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions ever since. And we we talk about Roth IRAs and conversions always on the Lang Money Hour, but we've never done an entire show on it. So we wanted to take it really in-depth today because we were getting close to the tax law change in 2010. And when we said we need a guest for this show, Jim said we have to get Barry Picker, who is a CPA and IRA expert, by the way, a CPA with a personal financial specialist designation from the AICPA. So we were talking about Barry 2010, which, and the tax law change, what's happening there is that there are no income restrictions. You can do a Roth conversion. If you have been unable to contribute to a Roth IRA because of the income limitations, in 2010, the income limitations are off and you can do a Roth IRA conversion. So the million dollar question is what are you planning to do in 2010? I will take my IRA and I will convert it into a Roth IRA. There you go. <laughs> now, are you going to do a big conversion all at once or a series of small ones? Uh, no, I will convert everything I have. Uh, and, and the reason for that, because we, we have not mentioned this, but there's a, uh, a little sweetener in the law, I'll, I'll call it that, that says that you don't have to pay the tax with your 2010 tax return. So if you do a conversion in 2010, we said that it it becomes taxable income. But the law says that if you do the conversion in 2010, you have the option of paying tax on half of the conversion with your 2011 tax return and the second half with your 2012 income tax return. So that's sort of like an added bonus for 2010. Yes, it is. 
And is have you been preparing in some way to do this conversion? I know you've been advising clients, but have you yourself been doing something to prepare for 2010? Well, basically, all in, in my situation, I was going to move my IRA money into my company plan. And when this provision came out and said that we can convert it directly to a Roth IRA in 2010, then I just held the money in the IRA and did not put it back into or put it into the company plan. You, you mentioned the, a company plan, and I know that you're not part of a huge multinational CPA firm, but, but rather a, a partner in a smaller firm where you might get to some, some say in what kind of a retirement plan do you have. Um, are you an advocate of the Roth 401k plans for people who are still working? And if so, have you taken advantage of the Roth 401k provisions in the retirement plan that you have at work? The, the simple answer to both questions is yes and yes. <laughs> I, am, I am an advocate of it uh, for the same reason we've been speaking about with Roth IRAs, and that is it is tax-free growth. And uh, I do, we, as you mentioned, I, I'm in a smaller accounting firm, and I have a very large say in how we set these things up. And when the Roth 401ks came into effect, we put that into our plan, and I do participate and contribute to that. And it's probably also interesting to note for, for listeners that you can, contrib- you can be contributing to a Roth 401k, uh, regardless of your income, even now, and okay. and I assume Barry, let's let's assume for discussion's sake. I don't want to ask you this, but let's assume for discussion's sake that your income is too high for a Roth IRA contribution. You've still been able to put money into a Roth four hundred one k. And that's the beauty. That's correct, Jim. And that's the beauty of the Roth four hundred one k is that anybody who is working for a company whose 401k has the Roth component can contribute to that regardless of their income and have then, you know, will, will then be setting themselves up for this tax-free growth, which they can uh, take out later. Well, I think it's only fair, Barry. You told what you're doing in 2010. We should get Jim to chime in with his own Roth story. Well, uh, mine's a little bit different because I actually had an opportunity in 1998, our office suffered a fire. If uh, those of you who were who were with me back then or knew me, you knew that my office was above a pizza shop. I, I, <laughs> Maybe I, not the best idea. There. I'd say that that's the worst idea <laughs> because the pizza shop had an electrical fire, and, and and Barry, you can picture this with about 400 tax returns still still to be done. On February 16th, our office suffered a fire, and we had to move the next day. So. Um, and I didn't, to make a long story short, I didn't get the insurance proceeds until the following year. So all of a sudden, I had a, an opportunity where my income was below $100,000. Now, at the time, I was 42 years old, and between us, my wife and I had $250,000 in traditional IRAs. And um, I was very interested in Roth IRAs then, and my wife is actually has a master's degree in electrical engineering from CMU, and she's quite quantitative herself. And we ran numbers, and we determined that the appropriate thing to do was to make a Roth IRA conversion of the entire $250,000. So we, um, we bit the bullet. We um, 
made a Roth IRA conversion of $250,000, and originally the plan was, well, you know, when we get in our 60s, 70s, and older, we'll have this really nice chunk of money that will have drawn income tax-free and that we'll be able to draw on that later. Um, as good fortune would have, it's very possible, even likely, that we might not need that money, that that money can continue to grow, in which case that money might end up going to our daughter, who at the time was, I believe, three years old. And it is also possible through second-to-die life insurance and other things that we will likely leave our daughter, that our daughter might not need it, and that might end up going to our grandchildren. Now, this is the grandchildren of, at the time, a three-year-old, when we only had a three-year-old daughter. So we might get 80 or even 100 years of income tax-free growth out of this, and I think that literally our family will be enriched by millions and millions of dollars more than if we didn't do this. Now, since then, um, like Barry, I have been contributing the maximum in a Roth 401k. Now, you two talk about creating these these dynasties, and you, like you said, your grandchildren may be able to get this money eventually. How long can that go on? It can go on for the life of somebody who was born at my death. Somebody so, who was born at your death. Be, 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 before, before, before I die. Okay, so... Uh, if, I have, if I have grandchildren or even great-grandchildren, well, that's not likely, but even just say grandchildren while I'm alive. And that's where, that's where it and ends. Then, and then I die... They can have the Roth IRA for their life expectancy. Now, again, they, they get this all tax-free. So whatever is in that Roth IRA, that's what they get. They, they well, get what, what, what happens, you know, we, we're talking about that individuals don't have mandatory distributions. That does not extend to the beneficiary of an inherited account. Oh, okay. This is a good point. So explain so, that. So what Jim is, is saying is that he will name his, his grandchild or, or possibly a trust set up properly for the grandchild as the beneficiary, and then it would have to come out over that beneficiary's life expectancy. But if that beneficiary is very young, we're talking about something close to 80 years. And you know, normal growth says that if you have... 80 years to, to pull this money out, it's probably going to be growing rather than diminishing for close to the first 70 of those 80 years, I would think. So whatever is, is there at the time of the inheritance is going to continue to grow even after death. So it could be multi-millions of dollars. Right, and, and to be even more specific... I'll even tell you what is in my will and what will be in my will after, after we, we have grandchildren, and it's something that I am a big advocate of, which is a very flexible approach that I call Lang's Cascading Beneficiary Plan, where the primary beneficiary of my IRA, and for that matter, the rest of my money, is my wife, and I am her beneficiary. The second beneficiary is the B-Trust, um, sometimes known as the Unified Credit Shelter Trust, the third beneficiary is our daughter, and eventually the fourth beneficiary will be any grandchildren that we have. So there will be, in effect, four levels of beneficiary, my wife, the B-Trust, children and grandchildren, and it will be up to the survivor to decide who gets what. So, for example, if I die and my wife says, hey, gee, I don't need this Roth IRA, it can go to my, our daughter or even our granddaughter, 
that's where it would go if my wife says, hey, guess what? You know, for all your great intentions, turns out I actually need it myself. She could keep it or it could be split where she would keep some and some could go to a child or some could go to a grandchild. And to me, one of the beauties of Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions is even though it is very good for the people making it, it's great for the heirs, but I like to see the survivors have some control of who gets the money, and I like to see it set up um, properly. So I personally would be reluctant to name a grandchild as the primary beneficiary of a large IRA or a large Roth IRA, but I do like the idea of the possibility of of it going to either the spouse or the B-Trust or the children or the grandchildren. So in Jim's case, you're you're basically using this as a tool, as an estate planning tool. Partly as an estate planning tool, but also, like I said before, I myself and my wife will be much better off because, you know, we will literally be hundreds of thousands of dollars better off because we did that in 1998. All right, Barry and Jim, we've been talking about the benefits of Roth IRAs here for the past 40 minutes or so. I think it's only fair that we look at some downsides or some potential downsides. And, and, and by the way, I should mention that Barry is literally an expert on this. He has more articles on recharacterizations oh, okay. than, 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 any, any, than anybody <laughs> I know. So so you're well, probably, you might be talking to the country's... Um, preeminent experts on what happens if, like in 2008, our investments went down. So I, I think I should just let Barry um, talk about that yeah, one. Yeah, let's talk about that first. There was, which is a potential downside? Let's say you make a conversion, and then your investment goes way down. Meantime, you've paid the taxes on it. You paid them up front. So now you're really sorry you did this. What can you do? Well, what Jim mentioned was recharacterization, basically is to undo the conversion. And there is a time limit for doing this, and the time limit is basically October 15th of the following year. So for anybody who does a conversion in 2010, they would have until October 15th, 2011, to decide that this was a mistake or that there was a a uh, tremendous downturn in the in the economy and the, in the value of the assets, and that they don't want to pay income tax on on what is now phantom value. And there are a few things that we suggest for for people. Uh, one thing we suggest is that for people who are doing who are going to be doing a series of conversions, and and we do advocate that for in a lot of cases, not converting everything all at one time. Uh, but we have them segregate each conversion so that if there's a, a downturn in the value of that, they can do a recharacterization, which is a lot easier to do if you have a, a segregated account. Uh, another thing that people can do is that they can do a series of conversions in the same year, let's say by asset class, and put those into separate Roth IRAs so that you now have a series of Roth IRA accounts running, and some of them could be winners and some of them could be losers, and you basically keep the winners and recharacterize or undo the losers. And um, this way, of course, you, you now have some benefit of hindsight. I, I, I'm, I'm smiling right now because I actually wrote an article on that 
years ago, and I thought it was my own little pet pet, pet idea. <laughs> apparently but, but, not. But apparently not. <laughs> and, and, and actually, actually, it makes so much sense that that um, that I, that it's it's just a good idea. The the other thing that I will throw out on that area is I'm sometimes an advocate of doing the Roth IRA conversion early in the year. So let's say for discussion's sake, and we'll keep it real simple, you have two, two, you segregate your IRA into two accounts. And let's, again, to keep it simple, you have um, a one, two $100,000 accounts. And you do a $100,000 conversion early in the year. And then later in the year, it looks like it's not working out very well. The, the conversion is way down in value. You can recharacterize that conversion and then make a Roth IRA conversion of the other account. So let's say that uh, the one account is in bonds and it more or less broke even, and the other account was in stocks and it went down 40%. So the $100,000 Roth IRA is now $60,000 after the market goes down. You recharacterize it, which means that it's as if you had done nothing, and then you make a Roth IRA conversion of the other account. Um, so in effect, your, your Roth IRA value is starting at a hundred thousand, um, by that, um, conversion and recharacterization as opposed to just making the conversion and not doing the recharacterization and subsequent conversion. I, I would just add to that. And, and that's what I advocate also, except that when you do the second conversion, I would do the second conversion into a, again, a new separate brand new Roth IRA before I even recharacterize the first one. And that's just in case, again, because you have until October 15th to do the recharacterization. Of course, the conversion deadline is December 31st of the year. Uh, but now, again, you, you, the account that went down, maybe that was just a temporary uh, blip in the market, and maybe that comes back. And, again, this way you have more time to make that decision. So I, my feeling is, you know, I agree with you 100% about segregating in, into, in your case, you were talking about your example, two accounts. But I would just do the second conversion, but I would wait to do the first recharacterization. Do you have mechanical problems in that? I imagine that you've been recommending conversions and recharacterizations in your practice for years. And since you're the CPA, you're, you not only are doing the advice, you also have to um, live with the consequences. Are you getting lots of notices from IRS saying, hey, um, you know, where's, where's the tax on the money? And then you have to write letters explaining that you recharacterized or has, has the mechanics gone relatively smoothly or a little bit of both? We've basically had it gone pretty smoothly. I don't remember too many letters. Uh, from the IRS, but I, I gather from your question that you have. <laughs> well, we, 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 we've, we've had a few. On, on the other hand, um, it, we, we have not, it hasn't been a timely or um, difficult process. You know, we just, you know, um, written a letter to the IRS, no, we recharacterized, and here's the appropriate paperwork. Um, but the, 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 the ability to recharacterize, to me, is critical because it is an obvious answer to the objection of what if the market goes down. And I think we've been emphasizing 2010, but in 2008, a lot of people were making Roth IRA conversions, and then the market went down 
you know, maybe 30, 40 percent. And they're sitting here now in August 2009. And what they probably should be thinking about is, oh, my goodness, um, I only have until October 15 to recharacterize the Roth IRA conversions I made in 2008. So if you made a conversion in 2008, I think that you should be thinking seriously of recharacterizing and using the recharacterization rules as further fuel for the benefits and the reduction of detriments of making a Roth IRA conversion. And again, that deadline is October 15th. So we we're, we only have a couple of months for that. I want to, Jim and Barry, I want to bring up one of the other big objections to Roth IRAs and see what you two have to say about this. People will say, well, you know, guys, that's just great. We're going to pay the taxes up front, and then we can take it out tax-free. But what if down the road Congress changes their mind and they decide, after all, to tax Roth IRAs? Do either one of you think that could actually happen, or what, what would you tell a client who said that to you? I've... I've heard that question so many times, and um, I'm going to guess that Jim has also. Obviously, we, we can't know what the future is going to, to bring. Uh, what I tell people is, first of all, with tax law, I can only deal with what I know now. It's difficult enough knowing what's in the tax law today without having to worry about planning now for what might be in the tax law later. Uh, first of all, I tell people that there, you know, one fear is that I will pay tax now and then I will pay tax on the same money later. Right, which would be double tax. And I tell people that that itself cannot happen. Uh, it, it just, that, that would just be, I, I, I maintain, totally illegal uh, to tax it a second time. What could conceivably happen is, is uh, a number of things, not that I think that they will, but I think that the, the, let's call it the most likely scenario, and of course this is just my opinion, is that if Congress were to look at this and decide that they, uh, you know, they don't like it anymore, is that one of two things. One is that they will basically uh, freeze the accounts and say, okay, all of you people who have your Roth IRAs, you have them. Uh, you have the, you know, you, you, you have the deal, but there's no new, no new accounts. We, we will not allow any, the creation of any new accounts. In, in other words, people who are already in the system will be grandfathered. Yes. The other possibility, I think less likely, is that they will basically freeze them as of a certain date and tax the growth beyond that date, but again, oh. would grandfather existing values. I do not think that they will go back and say that, uh, you know, we decided that, you know, way back when, you know, in that, you know, old year of 2010 when you converted a million dollars and now it's worth $3 million, that we're going to tax that $2 million. I think that that, you know, I view it in, in my mind is, you know, a violation of an implied contract, which says, the, the contract says that, you give us the money now, and we won't bother you with this later. And um, because so that's, this is, this know, is my opinion, that they will not do it. Because this is currently part of the tax code. Yes. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking about Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions. Jim Lang and Barry Picker, it is the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. 
The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQVAM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQVAM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Talking more smart money, it is the Lang Money Hour where smart money talks. We're talking about Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions. And a quick note, we have another workshop coming up. And if you're really interested in getting more details about this, the workshop is called Two New Tax Laws Create Shocking Opportunities for Wealth Preservation. We go through a lot of this information in depth in the workshop. It's coming up Saturday, August 29th at the Pittsburgh Golf Club in Squirrel Hill. And we have two different times, 930 to 1130 and 1 to 3 in the afternoon. So if you would like to attend one of those events, here's the toll-free number. It's 1-800-748-1571. Make sure you tell us which of those events you want to go to, 1-800-748-1571. You can RSVP, and again, that's coming up on August 29th. By the way, you can also get details on our website, which is retiresecure.com. Now, we have as a guest IRA expert Barry Picker with us today, and we were just dealing with one of... The big questions about Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions, and I know both of you have heard this a lot. I want Jim's response on this one, which is, Jim, what do you say when people say, well, I'm a little nervous about doing a Roth or a Roth conversion because I have to pay the taxes up front. How do I know down the road Congress isn't going to say, guess what? We've changed our minds. You have to pay more taxes. Them rascals in Washington, they promised we'd never pay tax on Social Security. And now we're paying tax on Social Security. How do we know that they're not going to do the exact same thing with Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions? And it's a, it's a, it's a good point. And, and here's the way I would address it. I'm going to put my attorney hat on for a minute. It is part of the Internal Revenue Code that the Roth IRA and the growth on the Roth IRA conversion will never be subject to income tax. It was never part of the Internal Revenue Code that Social Security would be not subject to income tax. It was what the legal word for it is dicta, which means it's non-legally enforceable language. Um, Barry mentioned implied contract. Um, I would just say it is part of the Internal Revenue Code, and to change it retroactively would be in legal parlance, an ex post facto or after-the-fact law that's a violation of due process, a violation of our Constitution, and I don't see it happening. The um, one potential fear is if they eliminate the income tax and replace it with some kind of sales or value-added tax, theoretically you could have paid the tax on the um, IRA, doing the Roth IRA conversion and not have a benefit, on the other hand, I think if you do a relative weighing of what the odds of, of eliminating the income tax on um, you know, the trillions and trillions of dollars in the IRA system um, right now versus, which I consider relatively remote, versus the more likely event of an increase in income tax, in which case the Roth IRA conversion is going to be even stronger, I would say that in general, um, I would tip the scales saying that cha- changes in the future tax laws will be favorable to people making Roth IRA conversions. And one thing to consider when we're talking about these potential downsides of a Roth IRA, I doubt that either one of you would say to a client, put every cent you have into a Roth IRA. 
Uh, so, that's a good question. I'm going to see what Barry says okay. about that. <laughs> okay. Well, when you say every cent you have, uh, we will do that for some clients, but if they have large accounts, we won't necessarily do that in one shot. And depending, again, on their situation, and everybody's situation is, is going to be different, we can have them do a conversion in 2010 that they will uh, pay tax on in 2011, 2012, uh, and you can opt out from that. So that's another thing that we will have to keep in mind as we go through the years. And then after they do a conversion in 2010, we may you know, wait a few years, and then when we get to 2013 and beyond, continue doing a series of, of conversions. But I would have no problem with converting all of the IRA money into a Roth. And, Jim, how about you? Well, first, I, I love the, that Barry is doing gradual conversions. That is not all at once. And um, the, the mathematical benefit of that is that you might stay in a lower tax bracket. So, for example, if you're thinking of converting a million dollars, if you do, just even keeping it simple, $100,000 a year for 10 years, you're, you could end up doing it with a smaller tax bracket each time you do the conversion. So the tax brackets are important. So also, I think that that helps with the psychological shock of, of not having to write <laughs> as big a check. So that, that's a very real consideration. Um, the, the one exception I might make to doing, and, and usually over time, what most of our clients, particularly people who have million-dollar-plus um, traditional IRAs, usually Roth IRA conversions are not going to be the major impetus of their planning. It's just going to be one supplement to, to a many-multifaceted financial plan. But one, one other reason why I might not convert it, even if the numbers might indicate it, it's, it's best to convert more, is I might want to preserve some traditional IRA money for charity. So I, we have we have a lot of listeners um, who have, and I would describe myself in this in this category, as having mixed um, mixed intentions. That is, our primary goal is to provide for our family, but we still have some charity in our heart, whether it's a church or a synagogue or a, an environmental group or or whatever it might be, and. Um, it might make sense to preserve some of the traditional IRA, leave that money to charity because the charity doesn't care if they ha they they get an IRA or a Roth IRA or after-tax dollars. They just want the most money. So sometimes um, I like the idea of the charity getting the IRA. In fact, I'm actually doing some talks for charitable um, organizers and, and charitable fundraisers, and what I'm saying to those groups are, well, one of the reasons why you might not want to leave a lot of money to charities, your kids will get less. Why don't you do a Roth IRA conversion with part of the money that will substantially increase the value of the money going to your children, and that creates some, some money in your traditional IRA that you can leave to a charity. And we are down to our last couple of minutes here. It's just been amazing. We've covered so many strategies. 
A quick reminder that you can get the audio at retiresecure.com in about a week or so. But there's so much more to cover. If you're considering a Roth IRA conversion in 2010, obviously both of you, I'm assuming, would say please go to a financial professional have them. We do Roth analysis at our office, and I'm going to cover that in just a minute. But Barry has a very good article on his website. Barry, can you give your website address? Yes, www.tisandpeterwacpa.com. And there's something on. There's an article on there called "Be Ready for Roth Conversions in 2010." That's very comprehensive, and you can take a look at that. Also, Barry has something called Barry Picker's Guide to Retirement Distribution Planning, and that is also available on your website. So real quick, the address again for that? www.pwa.com. Hey, Barry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been great information. We, again, we have another workshop coming up on Saturday, August 29th, Pittsburgh Golf Club. 9.30 to 11.30 or 1 to 3, and you can RSVP at 1-800-748-1571. Jim goes through all of these strategies. And something else that's very great about the workshop, you give away the book. So we've been talking about the book, Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. If you attend the workshop, you get a free copy of this book, and you get all of these, not just the information that Jim's been going through tonight, but we have it, you can actually look at it, because we have these great graphs that show you exactly how this works. So please plan on attending the workshop. It's 1-800-748-1571. And Jim also wants to make an offer for a financial physical, which includes a Roth IRA conversion analysis. And Jim, I swear, I think we have the best the best analyzer of this situation on our staff, Steve. Steve's so, pretty tough. Steve, on, on the other hand, to be fair, Barry, Barry's pretty tough okay. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, both of them. So, so, if, you're, so, so if, you're, if you're in New York, I'd, I'd, I'd go to Barry. If you're in New York, yes. Well, we have an offer for Pennsylvania residents. And here's our office number. It's 412 521 2732. And if you call that number tonight and you ask for my extension, which is 219, just give me your name and contact information, and we will get you hooked up with a free financial physical that doesn't just include the Roth analysis. It also includes, I mean, Jim likes to look at everything. So we have to look at estate planning and your retirement plan and your insurance needs and where your investments are. He will go through this whole this whole analysis in the free financial physical. This is a great chance, but it's just for the first five people to when, tonight, Wednesday night, and also for the rebroadcast on Sunday. So call the office at 412-521-2732. Go to my extension 219, or you can also email me, which is beth at paytaxeslater.com, and I'll get back to you and we can arrange that free financial physical. Again, our next workshop is August 29th. Get more details on the website, which is retiresecure.com. We'll be back again in two weeks. It's the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Thanks for listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Portions of the audio that you just heard will be posted online at retiresecure.com. You can also find a list of upcoming events and topics at retiresecure.com. To seek Jim's advice personally or to speak to a member of his dedicated staff at Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, call 412-521-2732. Join us again in two weeks when we talk more smart money.